Hello, hello everybody and welcome, 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 Kim here, local rabbi and minister. Welcome to Sacred Elohim, Diamond Light and Pearl Ministries. Tonight's reading is the Book of Mysteries. I had to do a pre-recording because I was also doing it and it didn't take out right, but we're going to go back over to the blood, the serpent's blood. So when you think about a serpent, what do you think about? So here we're going to read, it says, do you see it? Says it asked the teacher. Behind the rock, the student replied. It's a snake. Brown and black, slithering in the desert sand. What do you know about a snake? He asks. I know to avoid them, the student says. Nothing more, not much. What what you should know about a snake, snakes are cold-blooded. Why is that important? You're warm-blooded, and because of that, you can run and keep running. But a snake, being cold-blooded, is limited to the ability of enduring to keep going. Therefore, you can't outlast it. That's good to know, replied the student. In the scriptures, a serpent is a serpent. It's a symbol of evil. What is that? Not because the snakes are evil in its themselves, but because they provide a representative representation of evil. They often move by twisting. And so the nature of evil is to twist. A lie is the twist of the truth. The impure is the twist of the pure. And the evil itself is a twist of the good. Let's see here. The twist of the good. So then, if a snakes are cold-blooded then, so in some ways it's evil. Yes, says the teacher, evil is cold-blooded. What does what what that means is this though evil may have its day in victory victories, it's time to move and strike. It remains cold-blooded. Therefore, it can never endure, no matter how powerful the evil may appear, no matter how triumph and unstoppable it may seem, it cannot last. Deception is cold. Hatred is cold. Slander is cold. Oppression is cold. All evil is cold-blooded. And so the power of evil is only for a short term and a moment momentary. Its days are always numbered. And in the long run, it always fails. But the good is not cold, he says. Yes, he says. So in the end, the good will always outlast the evil. Therefore, preserve in good. Keep going in what is true. Keep standing for what is right. And you will overcome and prevail in the end. So today's mission. In the face of whatever is evil, trouble, attacks, or sin you deal with. Don't give in. Don't give up. But press on in good number. So let's see what the verses in Isaiah has to say. All right, Isaiah 57. Or 54, actually, I did that wrong. 54, 17. No weapon that forms against you will prevail, and you will condemn every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the, this is the inheritance Heritage of the servant of Yahuwah, and their righteousness, which is of me, says Yahuwah. 
So now let's look at the next one we're going to see, the face in the water. When you think about the face in the water, you think about a reflection. So let's see what the teacher has to say about a reflection. We walked for some time until we came to a pool of water hidden at the foot of a desert mountain. We sit down by its edge. Smile, says the teacher. So the student did. No, he said, smile into the water. Lean over the water and smile. So he did. Now make a face of anger. So he did. Now open your hand and stretch it towards the water as if giving a gift. So he did. Now do the opposite. What's the opposite? Stretch your hand to the water, close it, and withdraw it as if taking something away. <laughs> I'm not seeing the point of this, the student says. Oh, but there is a point, he said, and the point is critical critical for you to learn. When you smile at the water, there is a man smiling back at you, your reflection. And when you glare at it, the face of anger, angry man glares back at you. And when you stretch your hand out to the water to give to it, the hand in the water stretches back to give to you. And when you reach towards the water to take from it, the hand reaches back as if to take from you. This is the law of reflections. As you do, so it will be done to you. If you bless another, you will be blessed. If you hold hold back the blessing, your blessing will be withheld. If you live by taking, it will, in the end, be taken from you. If you live a life of giving, it will, in the end, be given to you. Condemn another, and you will be condemned. Forgive another, and you will be forgiven. Live with a closed hand, and his hand will be close to you. Live with an open hand, and his hand will be open to you. Whatever you, what what you give will be given back. What you will, what you take will be taken back. Therefore, life is of love, of giving, of blessing, and of compassion, of an open hand and heart. Whatever you do, remember what you saw here. Live your life in view of the face in the water. So today's mission. What is it that you seek from life and from others today? Make it your goal to give to others the very thing you seek. So now we're going to look at Proverbs 27, 19. Let's see what he says. Proverbs 27, 19. And here's what he says. As, wolf, as water reflects a face, so a man's heart reflects Amen. So if you reflect goodness, then you are good. If you reflect evil, then you are evil or bad. So let's look at Luke 6. 6. 37 and 38. Don't be judged and you won't be judged. Don't condemn and you won't be condemned. Set free and you will be set free. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure. Press down, shaken together, run over, will be given to you. For the same measure you measure, it will be measured back to you. Think about that. And then Galatians 6. Galatians 6. 7 through 10. So it says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. 
For he who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows the spirit to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Let us not be weary in doing good, for we reap in due season if we don't give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let's do what is good towards all men, and especially towards those who are of the household of the faith. So we see there that he's basically saying what you reap is what you sow. If you help a fellow man that is a brother in Christ, so be it. If you bring the word of God to that brother, then in turn you reap the benefits also. So now I'm going to cut for five minutes and I'll be right back.
All right, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Welcome back to a night of the Book of Mysteries. So I'm going to let you know, um, Sunday's coming around the corner, and I welcome you to Impact Church. They do have services out in the main parking lot, as far as I know right now. Uh, so the 11 a.m., the address is 2319 South 6th Street, Arden, Ohio. Um, or you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. So that's my call out tonight. So when you think of cosmic, what do you think? Cosmic love. Let's see what the teacher has to say this time. It says define love, says the teacher. Love is to what the best is to another, replies the student. Yes, he says. And put it another way. Love is put put is to put oneself in the place of another, to feel the feelings, walk their shoes, weep their tears, joys in their joys, and upon yourself their burdens, and give them your life. Like that, the scripture declares that God is love, he said. If Yahuwah is love, he must be the greatest love, the ultimate love. Do you believe Yahuwah is love? And the student says he did. Then that then what must love do? Love must put itself in the place of another. So what would the greatest possible manifestation of love be? That Yahuwah put himself in the place of another? And how would it actually manifest? What would be the greatest manifestation of love ever given? What Yahuwah would have to put himself in our place? He would have to walk in his shoes, in our shoes, Yes, and feel our feelings and cry our tears and make and take upon him our burdens, he said, and our judgments and our death to save us, to give us life. He would give his own life. Then, says the teacher, the greatest possible manifestation of love has already manifested on our planet. Yahuwah put himself in our place. And so there is no greater love, no greater love you could ever he said, no, when you feel it, and when you don't, don't, when you don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change anything. Nothing you can do alters this love. No work can increase it. No sin can lessen it. When you feel it, and when you don't feel it, it's there nevertheless. We can't change it. We can only receive it and be changed by it. We can only let it change us. For the greatest possible love hath already been manifested. Yahuwah came down. It is only for us to receive it and do likewise. So today's mission, practice the divine and cosmic love. Put yourself in the place of others, your feet in their shoes, their heart in your hand. So, we are now going to look at John. Oops, John. 15. 12 and 13. This is my commandment, that you love one another, even as if I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Oh, interesting that he would say that. 
So now let's go to Romans 5, 6 through 8. Let's see what he says. For while we were yet weak, at the right time, Yeshua died for the ungodly. For one, for one will hardly die for the righteous man. Yet perhaps for the righteous person, someone would even dare die. But God, or Yahuwah, commanded his only love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Yahuwah, Yeshua, died for our sins. All right, so we see there he died for us. So let's go to Philippians. Whoops, Philippians. And we're going to look at 2, 5 through 9. See what he says here. Have this in your mind, which also is in Yeshua, who existed, exi existing in the form of Yahuwah, didn't consider equality with Yahuwah as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a serpent, servant, being made in the likeness of man, and being found in human form. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death. Yes, the death of the cross. Therefore, also, Yahuwah highly exalted him, and give to him the name which is above every name on earth and in heaven. Okay, so think about that. So we've looked at a total of four pieces tonight, and I'm going to cut it a little short tonight. Our final one is East-West Continuum. So think about what is an East and West Continuum? Hmm, interesting that it would be mentioned. What is an East and West Continuum? It says here, it was dawn. We were watching the sun rise over the desert landscape. Kadim, said the teacher. It's Hebrew for east, the most critical direction. Why? The student asked. The temple of Jerusalem was built according to the Kadim. It had to face the east. So remember, Kadim. Okay. The altar of sacrifice was at its eastern end. The Holy of Holies was at its westernmost end. Everything else was in between. So, everything in the tabernacle existed on an east-west continuum. Interesting. Everything that took place in the temple place was on an east-west continuum. The most important holy day of the year, Yom Kippur. The sins of Israel were atoned for removing the people from the people on an east-west continuum. The high priest would offer up sacrifices in the east, and then sprinkle the blood on the Ark of the Covenant in the west. He would journey back and forth on an east-west paradigm or continuum. And the closest act of the day would see sins of the people symbolically removed away from the temple and into the east of the wild. But why is this more, this more significant than a north-south continuum, he asked. Because, said the teacher, the earth is a sphere. It is it turns on its axis on an east-west con continuum. Therefore, the Earth has a north pole and a south pole, but not an east and west pole. I still don't understand, said the student. How far is the south and north? He said, it's finite. All north comes to an end at the north pole, and all south 
comes at comes at an end to the South Pole. If the temple was built on a north-south continuum, then the sins would have been removed from a, for a thousand miles from the center. But how far is east from the west? East and west has no poles. Therefore, they never end. East and west is infinite. They go no, go on forever. In fact, the Hebrew word for east is kadim, also meaning everlasting. But back, back, but back then... No one knew the earth was a sphere. God, Yahuwah, did. And all this is a, sh- is a shadow of the atonement of Messiah, our salvation. So in Messiah, how far does Yahuwah remove our sins from us? An infinite, an infinite away, an eternity away. And if you had only eternity, you could never find them again, as it is written. So far as he hath removed our sins away from us, as far as the east is from the west. So think today. Take the time to ponder and take in the love of God that moves your sins as far as east is from the west and live accordingly. So we're going to look at Leviticus. (laughs) There we go. And we'll look at 16, 14. He shall take the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side. And before the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Okay, let's go to Psalms. One oh three. Ten through twelve. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor repaid us for our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So now we end an evening, and I'm going to call it an evening, and I'm going to say I'll see you next week. And I hope to hear you here. You, on the other end, text me if you've got any questions. As I said, I'll see you at Impact Church. Or you can contact me at starcross2013 at gmail.com. I will not give phone numbers at this time until I get things structured online. I hope in the next few weeks to offer some of my study materials in parcel units or study units so you have it to reflect. So I'll see you this evening and I'll say Shabbat Shalom to you and you have a wonderful evening. Goodbye.